a big part of me has recognized how important it is to be active on the path of your spiritual growth because everything else is going to change. You're going to get older, your skin's going to change, your body is going to change, your your mental capacity is going to change, emotions keep changing. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Baladins Live podcast. I'm your host Jana Komarnitska and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladins art form. Plus, I really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. Have you ever considered adding a fitness element to your belly dance classes? That's one of the typical reasons why students come to a dance class at first place, to improve their physicality. Imagine how much your teaching business can benefit if you know how to combine these two elements together, dance and fitness and how to emphasize it in your marketing strategy. And that's exactly what Orit teaches at her Sharky the Belly Dance Workout Instructors Academy. You live with razor-sharp teaching skills and best practices for your teaching business project. The next Sharky Instructor Academy starts on April 3rd, so apply ASAP to secure your spot. More info at sharky.com teach. S-H-A-R-Q-U-I dot com slash teach. Sharky dot com slash teach. Direct link in the show notes. This is such a pleasure for me to, first of all, to record this episode and then now finally release it. And welcome back, Meher Malik, to the Baladins Live podcast. Our first conversation with her was... Uh, Five years ago, it was the very first season of the Abilities Life podcast, uh, one of the first guests. Uh, and if you somehow missed that episode, go back to episode number 27, because we talked about many different things and really going in depth in Meher's uh, uh, career development. But this is an artist who I feel almost doesn't even need introduction. <laughs> At least in India, her name will be known by absolutely everyone. Meher is participant of the famous uh, uh, TV show India's Got Talent, and that show cardinally changed the direction of her career back then. And in our previous episode, we talk really in depth about that project, her participation, uh, why she actually declined it several times before she accepted. So that was a very interesting uh, story definitely uh, check it out. But after 2009, she also participated in a series of other TV projects, as well as she opened and became director of Banjara School of Dance in New Delhi, India. And one of the really fascinating things for me in terms of reconnecting with our previous guest is seeing how often their life and their art changed cardinally within just a few years. So within these five years, the direction and focus of her work, of Meher's work, changed so much. It's still about dance, but it has so much 
more depth and meaning and I'm not gonna uh, reveal all the secrets or do like much overview I just will let you listen to the episode because every single word every single sentence is a jewel and you better listen to actual conversation rather than me retelling it but in out of this episode we are gonna talk about all range of things related to dance starting from spirituality to sensuality to sexuality we will be touching the subject of sexual traumas so that you know in advance we also will be talking about personal development spiritual development and how dance can help on this path reveal and process we also will talk about motherhood relationships approach to stage and what you're doing and who you are on stage and also about Meher's current work not only about self-exploration for her that she is going through but also how she is focused on helping other women other people to find their own path and their own growth through dance not necessarily in terms of becoming a professional dancer but in terms of personal development and personal exploration so there will be many interesting topics there will be some heavy topics uh, just get ready but it's one of those conversations that really blows my mind and really leaves impact so i do hope uh, you will enjoy it too and even more fascinating it's actually to listen to the previous episode and then to listen to uh, this one like five years afterwards so I do highly recommend because it's really a great reminder how our life is changing all the time our path and any current moment of our life right now is just a little moment on the path and we never know where this path will lead us so whatever is happening currently in your life remember it's just a part of the journey good or bad but it leads somewhere and this story is a perfect example and I am very excited and looking forward to following Meher's activity and her path and her development and seeing hopefully in the future doing another interview and just connecting with this artist and seeing how and more specifically where the art and dance will take her. On this note, I wish you enjoy this conversation and don't forget at the end, let us know what impacted you the most, screenshot the episode, share with your friend. I'm pretty sure you will know at least a couple people who will need to hear this kind of conversation. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes or simply visit yanadanceclub.com and try for 7 days for free. Dear Meher, welcome back to the Belly Dance Life podcast. I am really excited that you agreed to participate and do sort of a follow-up interview conversation after five years since our first interview. (laughs) 
I'm so happy to be here. I think what you're doing is so great. I had a, a lot of wonderful belly dancers connect with me after they heard your podcast. And it was so it's so amazing to see the kind of impact that this is having in the belly dance community. So congratulations on what Aww. you're doing. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to hear it and that we, uh, with this channel, help to connect dancers all around the world. That's so, so amazing. So I would like to start right away from that point. Our previous interview, it was in 2018. It's basically was uh, more or less like five years ago. And in that interview, we talked a lot about your beginning of your ballet dance journey, your like... Um, career progression, let's say, from the very beginning to the point of five years ago where you were. But thinking about last five years, there are a lot of things happened in the world, in the dance, in everyone's life. But personally for you, uh, what do you feel were the main changes and shifts in your life and specifically also in your dance life during last five years since we talked last time? Oh, wow. Um, the biggest thing that happened since in the last five years is that I became a mother. <laughs> mm -hmm. Congratulations. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's a really, yeah, thank you. That's a very big shift in a woman's life. I think it's a big decision. It's a big, you know, um, it's like, it's life-changing. And it's life-changing, to be honest, like nothing else. I've been traveling the world and doing things and dancing and being on television and doing a lot of other strange, crazy things. But I don't think there was anything as challenging as becoming a mother. Um, and then COVID happened, obviously. And India, because you know I'm in India, India was one of the most severely impacted countries in the world because of a very big population. So it was very difficult, uh, you know, uh, to manage during those times, those two years. And then also I finished my, in the last five years, I finished my graduation in Buddhist philosophy. And now I have started my master's in Buddhism philosophy. So um, my, so much has changed in my personal life. A big part of me has recognized how important it is to be active on the path of your spiritual growth because everything else is going to change. You're going to get older. Your skin's going to change. You're going to become, your body is going to change. Your, your mental capacity is going to change. Emotions keep changing. But doing that spiritual work is what helps you to have the strength and the, and the forbearance to be able to have a happy, fulfilling life. And so I would say that that's the biggest shift in my life over the last five years, to be honest. Um, and, and when it comes to dance, also, because I have been on this spiritual path and this spiritual journey for the last few years now, I think it's very natural that that is affecting my dance journey also. So when there used to be a time where I could do like choreography and, you know, create big things and wear shiny costumes, I don't feel so inspired to do that anymore. 
Now, when I put together a dance production or when I talk about dance or when I'm talking about movement, it has it is undeniably associated with the aspect of how dance can impact the quality of our lives. And so there's a lot of research that I've done and a lot of certification programs and studies in the space of intergenerational trauma, in the space of chakras and different energy centers, Ayurveda. And so I have now started to align a lot of my dance practices with helping to improve the quality of life for people. So that's where I am right now. Wow, that's so fascinating. I didn't know you were uh, studying uh, Buddhist philosophy and uh, uh, doing graduation uh, work. Uh, I, I noticed by your recent work that a lot of emphasis you switched even more in the area of like healing, uh, working with um, different energies, uh, appro different approach to the teaching aspect and what dance can can give but i didn't know about specifically this aspect that's very interesting uh how do you you mentioned something that uh, caught my attention uh basically you start talking about dance and how dance can contribute to life and you also mentioned something as uh, intergenerational trauma and the connection that maybe dance can be as a tool of healing. But can you specify, because maybe not everyone, you know, much aware of uh, um, psychological term terms and in general, like this topic, like what do you mean by intergenerational trauma and what does it have to do with dance? Or I would rather say what dance has to do with it. Yeah, I, I think this is a very important question. I think this is one of the best things about your interviews because you do it because you're you're you know you're trying to cover so many subjects. I think we really come to a point where we start we start discussing things which are super relevant. You know, you know, Yana, we've heard we've heard, I'm sure you've heard this in the belly dance community too. You've done your research, you've been reading books. There is so much of this background information about belly dance being a ritualistic childbearing dance at some point, you know. We talk about how it could have some kind of connection with giving birth, women dancing for women. You know, we, we also hear a lot about how, and this I'm talking even before it became a dance, because when you even look at the other dances like twerking, Polynesian dances, a lot of these other dances that use a lot of hips, they're also associated with like fertility goddesses. So somewhere there is a connection with these Dances that have really strong hip movements and fertility dances. Now, when I when I really started at a point, there was a point when I'd say when all of us are younger in our belly dancing journey, we're so enamored by the way that the dance looks and feels that we're not so focused on really the historical aspect, the generational aspect. We're focusing on, oh, wow, the music, oh, the dance, the visual, the costumes, blah, 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 all of these amazing visual things, all of these sensory things. But when you start to go, when you start to get older, I mean, especially because I've been somebody who's on this path of speaking for a very long time, I wanted to go deeper to understand what is the capacity of this dance form to really help women. And of course, in some way, it was already doing that because belly dancing, as you know, and any woman who has ever belly danced already understands what an empowering dancer is. But in my own in my own journey of having experienced sexual trauma and having experienced more 
more um, subtle forms of abuse. I wouldn't say I was at the end of the spectrum where it was very strong or very toxic or very intense, but I have had my share of being treated badly, have had my share of, you know, having experienced the, the male gaze, all of these things, you know, and, and being a very answer, I don't think any woman has not experienced that. But then I always stored in like the breast. How much does this trauma get stored in the hips, in our vaginas? And now also because I'm on the, on the path of Tantra, I also recognize how so many women have never even looked at their yonis, at their vaginas. They have never even said loving words to their hips because all of us think that, oh, thick thighs is a problem and big hips are a problem. And, you know, if the boobs are too small, it's a problem. Or if the boobs are too big, it's a problem. Or if, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of this trauma in the feminine body, in the female body, gets stored in these parts. And so that took me into this interest of wanting to understand whether this is something that's only, that's, whether it's something only I feel or it's something that other women feel too. And that made me realize, oh, wow, this is not just me. So then I wanted to go deeper into understanding the intergenerational point of it. The, and then I started doing a course in studying family constellations and intergenerational trauma. And so I recognized that I recognized that through this study, I was able to really put my finger on how um, it's not just me, but my mother, her mother. For example, when I was younger, you know, my mother was educated in a convent, so she had like a Christian education. So my mother's perspective with sexuality has always been, oh, you have sex with the guy that you get married and, and that's the end of the story. And, and of course, of course, I never followed this path because my path was my own. And so I recognized that there was so much trauma around even being a sexual being, about being a woman who wants to be able to express herself sexually. And so much of this is being carried from generations because we're not supposed to talk about things and even pleasure. As a woman, I'm not really supposed to be talking about pleasure. So that's where I realized a lot of this trauma gets stored in our, in the breasts, in the boobs, in the hips, in the vagina. And it was the path of Tantra and intergenerational trauma that made me realize that all the shaking, the shimmying, you know, the hip work is all giving me a chance. You know, the twerking, the really moving my body without any shame is also giving a chance for emotions to come up. And so when I started using different study, different methods of courses and different methods that I had been studying, I started integrating a lot of these subjects to be able to really recognize more deeper things. So here I was many years back thinking that I'm giving people a dancing style which is helping them feel empowered when actually I am not going to the root of the problem. So then I started integrating intergenerational trauma, tantric studies, chakra studies, Buddhist philosophy to then more, create more elaborate courses which could help people go deeper into where the trauma actually is. So now I'm not very interested with just the visual aspect of dance. I'm really, I'm really trying to understand how movement and dance can help to surface trauma and help people to find that solution to their trauma. Even in today's world, psychotherapy, gestalt therapy, all of this is also starting to understand that Working on the mind and conversation is only going to go to one point. 
you then have to start to do a lot of body-based work because the trauma is in the organs, it's in the bones, it's in the muscles, it's in the cellular memory. So how do you start to work with that? Movement then becomes a very, very potent way to work with that trauma. Wow, you know what also fascinates me a lot? Uh, this is something that um, you... Definitely uh, not knowing I'm not trying to, to put it together, but I'm just fascinated how often recently this topic comes up in the interviews for the podcast. And I'm not even trying, but I feel like last two, three conversations, they're just like bringing up this topic of sexuality and sensuality and exploring feminine energy feminine both feminine and masculine energy but through dance but specifically like this topic of sexuality which at some point felt like uh, i mean throughout last few years at some point felt like so taboo and there is a lot of stereotypes in the ballet dance community that uh, many dancers try to push away and uh, kind of go to another spectrum of like, oh no, belly dance has nothing to do with that. It's not about that. It's, it's spiritual. It's not anything to do with exploration of sensuality or sexuality. Like, you know, there is, and it's, it's understandable due to all the stereotypes that we are trying to fight as belly dancers from general like audience, like, no, belly dance is not that. But at the same time, there is like this big push, but My point is that I'm fascinated how often this topic comes up, which brings me to the a point that, uh, or thought that, oh, maybe we are at some point of a shift and transition of really seeing like this dance and what's the essence of it and uh, how much or not much, I don't even know, like, but I'm curious also to ask, like, your approach, uh, because I'm sure you heard all this also discussions and stereotypes, like, oh, belly dance has nothing to do with sexuality, it's only about spirituality, what do you think, you, you mentioned already some of the things, but I would like to point specifically on this topic, what do you think about it? <laughs> I don't think it's one, I think it's both. Um, why I say this, you know, there was a point there was a point when I started to belly dance in this country and I would start to stay away from you know oh this is not for the entertainment of men I was very defensive and I think that every belly dancer at some point has had to be defensive but the feminine and now because I also study the principle through tantra I'm also studying the principles of feminine and masculine polarity. You see, this is why I found a need to want to go study different subjects because I was not getting all the answers from one place. Now, when we talk about Tantra, you know, in Tantra, there are two principles, the Shiva, which is the masculine, and the Shakti, which is the feminine. Shiva is the unchanging, observing consciousness. And Shakti is the changing, procreative um, nature. This is the energy of the feminine. And so when you really look at the feminine principle, when you talk about the feminine sexual energy, when in, in our studies, we refer to it as the kundalini energy, which is really at the base of the spine. There is a very strong connection between sexuality and spirituality. So you cannot separate the two. I'm not saying that they are the same thing, but you cannot disconnect the two. Because even when we do a lot of this chakra work, where we're trying to understand how to improve our 
energy, our chi or our prana or our energy, life force energy, we cannot ignore the sexual aspect of it. So, of course, there was a time when we also know that belly dance was performed for men, whether we talk about the old Egyptian performers or even if we talk in the Indian context, we had women dancing for the kings and for the you know merchants in the court. It was very normal and we've had this across various cultures. So there is a sexual aspect of it, which you cannot minus from it. Sexuality also changes on the basis of context. Even today, even today, you will find situations where dancers will be dancing in the court for, for men or to entertain men, or maybe not in the court, but maybe in dance bars or maybe in other kind of situations. You will still have this. It still exists. So there is a sexual aspect to it. And if you really think about it biologically speaking, biologically, and I'm really saying biologically, that men have always offered the security, the protection, and women have always offered the nurturing, the love, the compassion. So all of this is part of the feminine principle. Even the sexual part of it, or the aspect of why is there the sexuality aspect? Because at the end of the day, the womb, if there is no sex, the womb cannot procreate. And the biologically speaking, the womb wants to bring life. It's a very natural, it's a very, very natural aspect of the biology, you know? And so there is the sexual aspect. When we talk about the spiritual also, because at the end of the day, sex makes the womb, sex is what fills the womb. And the womb or the child rearing aspect is spiritual. So somewhere there is an interconnection between sexuality and spirituality, but people are always trying to divide these two things. But even when you do, like I said, chakra alignment, if you are not balanced in your lower centers, for example, your sex centers, you can't have a, a, you can't have a more deeper connection with the universe, with you know a, a higher connection, with a higher consciousness. So we are also trying to do this work from the base chakras into the more higher energy chakras. So there is a connection, and I don't think that it is, it is fair for us to disconnect. Human is a biological being, but human is also a spiritual being. Human is an emotional being, but human is also an intellectual being. Human is a personal being, but human is also a social being. So it is the duality, and we live inside this duality. Mm. I wonder, we talk a lot about dance and its also relationship to birth-given traditions, to sexuality, also to intergenerational trauma. Did you feel first the need of exploring these questions when you realize that you are about to become a mother and now you also have a daughter who has also is a part of this uh, generation and, and uh, of all these things that we are talking about? Or did you feel the need to explore all these questions way be before that? Good question. Um, I have had an eye and a mind for seeking for a very long time. So even when I was 
maybe in the eyes of the world when they were putting me in a box and saying that, oh, she belly dances, I was always more than just belly dancing. In my life, I was exploring many dances. So even when I was belly dancing, I recognized that belly dancing was not able to fully satiate my, my seeking for movement. So at the same time, I used to study popping. I was studying contemporary. I was studying classical Indian dance. I was doing yoga. So I had a lot of movement practice in my life for many, many years. And that's because, like I said, for me, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's trying to put out the right questions in the universe in hope that maybe someday those answers will emerge, which will, me, which will help me become a more complete being, shed my trauma, accept myself fully, understand my culture, understand femininity and masculinity. At the end of the day, anything that we choose to do in our life should help to improve the quality of our life. You know, it's not about, it's not about making a career in something. It's also about the, qual- the improvement of the quality of your life on the basis of what you choose to do in your life. So I've always had a bent for this. My mind has always had a bent for this. But when it comes to going deeper into the generational trauma, into the Buddhist studies, this was the child, for sure. Because even before I became pregnant, there were already a lot of spiritual messages that I was supposed to get pregnant. There was a lot of signs. You know, I had always had a very regular menstruation, but all of a sudden, I would start waking up every morning with a phantom pregnancy, like a fake pregnancy. I would have the symptoms, my tummy would be big, my my period had stopped coming. So there were a lot of other signals that my body was giving me and telling me. And I also started feeling very unhappy. And that's when I started to question. Everything in my life was going okay. You know, I, I, I was fine in my relationship. I was okay in my life. I was okay in my career. I was okay in my creativity. Everything was okay. But there was something inside me that was aching to, to be born, to come to life. So when I finally decided and I said that, okay, I think I'm now sensing that I want to become a mother. And you won't believe the day that I acknowledged that, surprisingly, all the symptoms also disappeared and the period also came. You know, my menstruation was right there. Just the day that I acknowledged it. Till I was not acknowledging it, everything was just shut down. And the day that I acknowledged it, it happened. So my spiritual journey and awakening already began when I was ready or becoming ready to be a mother. It it wanted me, it, it made me want to go deeper. So all of my Buddhist studies began when I was pregnant. I did a lot of other courses on feminine, on the divine feminine. A lot of other studies that I did was during the time that I was pregnant. And ever since, I haven't stopped. And now my daughter is going to be three years in the month, in another 10 days. And I have been on this journey to study deeper, to understand deeper. Because I feel like even relationships in today's world between the masculine and the feminine in general, are also suffering. Because there's a lot of things that we, ha- we have ignored for a long time. I also feel like there have been things, you know, you know with this whole, you know, with this whole um, shift when women are like, I'm equal to man and I can do everything like a man. I can run the house. I can have a job. I can make money. I can make children, blah, blah, blah. I think that that's also taken a toll on women. So somewhere what I'm trying to understand is what is the missing link? What are the things that we've missed out? And what are the things that we need to understand better 
so that we can make the world a better place for our children. So definitely, there is a there is a sustainable approach to the way I'm thinking because I'm I'm not just thinking about myself anymore. I'm thinking about my child and all the children that are going to come and what's the kind of life that we're world and life that we're creating for them. Mm. So motherhood definitely uh, put you on a path of more exploring and learning about Buddhist philosophy, about spirituality. But I'm also curious from the perspective of motherhood and going through pregnancy and giving birth and now having having a child, how did it impact specifically your dancing uh, not only i'm talking about spiritual aspect because we talked about it a lot but i'm also ta- uh, curious about like phys- physical aspect and uh, um, i don't know what, whatever it whatever it was for you like from uh, not only the idea of what dance means but also how how your body was reacting to all these changes in your in your body in your life in general and at the same time you were active dancer dance teacher so from this uh, point of view can you talk a little bit more about uh, that experience which you went through and still going now how how did it change with these three years uh, already since um, since you became a mother (laughs) So I would say that even before I became a mother, the the direction of belly dance was already starting to move in a more experimental space for me. Because I was starting to question, how are we evolving the dance? What's happening with the dance? And then, you know, we did a lot of research and we were looking at a lot of different dances across the world. How has belly dance evolved in different parts of the world? And what's the direction been with belly dance? And so I started getting very interested about four or five years back in a more contemporary approach to belly dance. Um, Because I think I have had a problem with the way that the dance has been instructed. Very often, you know, it has these fixed structures and these fixed frames. And a lot of times when I try to challenge dancers, I realize that they were not very capable to challenge themselves. They were not... I would say that they were not very body intelligent because I felt like the way that belly dancing has been instructed over the years. For example, Yana, you know, when we go to Egypt, for example, when we go to a belly dance festival, what's happening? They're mostly picking up a song and it's a choreography. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're studying with some of the some of the best teachers, when you go to their classes, mostly at festivals or big events, they'll pick a song and they will choreograph a song And then that's how dancers are learning. They study technique, choreography, technique, choreography. But there isn't a lot of space to explore the body. I feel like that's lacking. But that's okay. Because belly dance has a certain structure. It has a certain form. It has a certain shape. And that's all right. And I I accept that. And who am I to question this? I'm just one small person in a very big world. So, um, but this was my journey. And I started thinking of how can we make belly dancing more gender inclusive? How can we make it more experiential for um, everyone? How can we make people have developed more body intelligence through belly dance? So I started deconstructing the dance. I started doing a lot of deconstruction of the dance, breaking things down, understanding them in a more organic way. So one of the things in my direction that's moved with belly dance is for it to feel more organic in the body. How, How can one experience it less as a structured style, 
but more as a as a celebratory style which i feel is also kind of going backwards in some ways you know because a lot of it has evolved to look a certain way every culture has impacted it you know the american dancers have impacted it the russian dancers have impacted it every dancer who came from a different community and brought their own technique and talent has impacted the way that belly dance looks today but i'm also looking at okay you want to look like a certain person but have you ever questioned what is your own journey with belly dance and so i feel like that's where the contemporary approach comes in the contemporary approach is a lot about understanding what is my journey of belly dance how do i want to shape and look and feel in this dance so in that sense i've started doing a lot of integration work with a lot of different styles so even when i'm teaching oriental dance now my approach is very contemporary the way that i want to put together things inside a uh, i recently had a uh, i recently did an online conference called contemporiental and i invited a lot of different dancers you know there was valerie there was anasma ilan there were a lot of fusion and oriental dancers from different parts of the world who were teaching with me in this online conference and we all brought and i realized that everybody was in a similar path they were trying to integrate oriental dance or belly dance even in its fusion forms to have a deeper understanding of what the body is capable of because i feel like somewhere that intelligence has been lacking in the belly dance community and so then you start to really experience and understand oh wow these are the things that we can add to our belly dance journey so from that sense i wouldn't say it's motherhood that impacted the way i dance or the way i want to dance to be honest that's not the case at all for me that hasn't impacted it but the wish to kind of evolve from just one way of moving just one way of looking i think that's what but that i i think that's also integrated with the fact that i'm speaking so in some ways yes motherhood can impact someone's choice to dance or not dance or dance a certain way it can but for me it was less about that because that experience and that evolution already began in my life before i became a mother hmm. yeah i was curious to know and obviously it will be different uh, uh, for every person but it also was interesting like to hear from your uh your journey and uh, which path you are taking now and something tells me that all this um, journey a uh, spiritual journey a dance journey all these explorations um, all the studies that you did uh, uh during last uh, five, six, uh, whatever years uh, it was for you like this journey it also impacted your approach to yourself as a teacher not just as a dancer and the way you even teach you even talk about the purpose of your classes like the focus of your classes um it feels different than a definitely different than a typical uh, ballet dance class but how do you see yourself right now um or how do you see your role as a teacher now when you're interacting with other like ballet dance students or ballet dance uh, oriental dance uh, dancers who come to you do you feel any shift in terms of uh, your task and your purpose as a teacher mm, okay 
So one of the things I have seen is as I have been evolving, I think this happens, Jan. I think it's a normal part where when you evolve and the information that you put out into the world, the kind of people that get attracted towards you and your work also changes, right? Because till I'm doing things a certain way, there's a certain number of people and a certain type of people that are interested in me. Now, if I may say so very honestly, I'm not so interested anymore in making belly dancers. I am now more interested in building dancers. I think that's what has shifted inside me and inside my approach. Because this is what I experienced. I, I experienced the limitation of something. And because I can't identify with one thing anymore in my life, it's very difficult for me to try to be the mentor who only helps people identify with one thing. So now, when I'm also teaching belly dancing, so even if I'm teaching a subject like Saidi, okay, for example, and I'll just give you an example. Even when I'm talking about Saidi, and then when we talk about Asaya or Raksasaya and the way that you would execute Asaya, etc., I then also talk about femininity. I talk about masculinity. So I'm also starting to integrate other subjects along with the teaching that I may be even doing say, with something as structured as a folkloric style, okay? So, you know, I will, I will take up the style, I will talk about the style, we will study the history, we will study the dance, we will work with the props, et cetera, et cetera. But I will also offer more perspectives to understand and integrate an alien dance into your body in a more reflective way. Because at the end of the day, we are in the Indian culture. You and I are both not we don't belong to that culture. So at the end of the day, it is alien. Even though we may have spent many, many years in the country, learning the language, studying the dance, it is still in some sense alien. I lived in the Middle East for 17 years and I still say that it's alien in some sense, you know, because, because at the end of the day, my blood is Indian. So my, my roots are Indian. And so what I'm trying to do for dancers is to understand that they don't have to be in a competition to look like somebody, number one. Number two, to understand body, mind, spirit integration. Number three, to understand the cultural additions and the cultural differences that we also make to this dance as brown people, you know, because we don't, brown people don't really have the, the greatest space inside the belly dance community. So it's also really thinking about more inclusivity and as a teacher to help people recognize that belly dance can also become a tool for them, like I said, to live a more qualitative life. So my focus now is not just on teaching people a dance. It's on thinking, how can I make any student's life better? Speaking of your students, um, do you typically have uh, students who already come with the realization of what you teach? You mentioned that you start attracting a different, let's say, audience or the people who come to you have different um, maybe goals. But are those goals conscious or do you see it more like unconscious and you as a teacher take them on a journey that maybe they, don't re they didn't fully realize they're about to take when they come to your classes? <laughs> I think it's a mix. I think there are some people who realize that who unconsciously feel like, okay, I need to study with Meher because I love the way she dances or I love her approach to teaching. 
But I also feel like there's something that maybe she can help me understand about my body, about movement, whatever. And then there are also people who very consciously come to me and say that, you know, I have been studying dance for so long, but nobody gives me this perspective on dance. And so I think it's a mix of both. And I think I cater to both. But if I may say so, when dancers have spent at least a year with me, things will get filtered. Those who really just want to dance and only dance, purely dance, I don't think that they're able to sustain with me anymore. But those who want to make growth are the ones that continue to be with me. Uh, because I cannot disassociate the two from each other anymore. Um, it's very difficult for me to do that because I feel like I'm not giving that person my fullness. And so I do teach dance. Of course, people continue to do dance for the sake of dance. But then I do realize that either they evolve and they recognize that, oh, wow, this is what I've been missing on my dance journey. Or they feel like, oh, this is exactly what I was searching for to make that growth. Because you see, a lot of times dancers don't even realize, you know, when they're trying shimmies for so many years and they don't get their shimmies. Sometimes it's actually a mental or an emotional block that we have to work with. And then once we work with that, they get their shimmies. Sometimes, sometimes they never have enough energy in a performance or they're not strong in their execution. So then we work on that aspect. And then dancers find the strength and the emotion and the energy to execute their dance. So I recognize that I want to help people become better dancers, better performers, better movers. For that, I cannot purely focus only on the movement aspect. I have to focus on the whole being, on the fullness of the being. And have you ever had someone coming to you and uh, asking you to help more to focus on maybe processing some trauma through dance or something like that? Like maybe some, it can be someone very beginning in dance, or it may be someone already established, uh, maybe already really familiar with ballet dance, but following your work, seeing all the information that you're putting out, uh, maybe they feel... Uh, like you're the right person to approach it. So have you ever had students uh, or dancers who were coming specifically like not, oh, let's see how can I improve my dance, but I know I need to work on emotional aspects, but rather coming to you to ask, oh, can we use... It's, it's kind of almost the same or similar, but it's still different perspective and different goal. And not end goal, but the different focus, main focus. So it's more like, oh, can we use dance to process some of my trauma or I don't know pro uh, process some stored emotions so have you ever had the students and how would you approach did you accept yes. working with them or you for now oh, keep yes, yes. Uh -huh. I do this, this, this is the phase of work I do now so yes very much there are a lot of professional dancers I teach a seven-week program called chakraks which is a combination of the word chakra and raks so this is the dance of the chakras and so in chakraks I, it's seven weeks of a journey, and in that journey, we're using a lot of different modalities, but movement is one of the most important modalities to help people go deeper into understanding their own traumas, identifying their traumas. So I've already, I've already taken more than 120 people on this self-healing journey, and the results have been amazing. There have been people who had chronic, chronic back pains, they disappeared. There have been people who were depressed and almost on the brink of committing suicide, but now they're happy. 
There are people and rather finding happiness and finding new passions in life. And then there are people whose relationships are falling apart, but either they have mended their relationships or they have gotten out of those toxic relationships. So the move, imagine a seven-week movement healing program has helped people in so many spaces. So I have already done this. In, I mean, with the dance, I'm already te- I teach like thousands of people, of course, in a year. But even with this program, it's, an, it's, an, it's not a very old program. And I can only take a small number of people at one time because I'm also counseling. I'm also offering therapy. I'm also, and I'm dealing with each person for seven weeks on their healing journey. So I've already done like five chapters of these and, you know, like taken about 15 to 20 people in each chapter. But the results have been amazing. And, you know, unlike a dance class where you can have many number of people and they're all just studying dance at the same time, when you're doing the healing work, it's not that easy to take in so many people because I also have to bear the load of all of that. You know, I also have to, my mind gets invested, my emotion gets invested, my, my you know, my spirit gets invested to really support that person's journey. So, yes, there have been a lot of people who signed up for their journey, that journey on their own to deal with all kinds of blocks, artistic blocks, creative blocks emotional blocks, sexual blocks, and the results have been absolutely amazing. So yes, I would say that that has happened. And and then I also mentor people. I also mentor professional dancers individually. Like I coach personal, I do personal coaching for dancers and personal coaching for people in general, artists in general who want to move through their, you know, artistic blocks. And this program, uh, as I understood, it's on specific dates. So it's like uh, working with uh, groups and also individual like parts. Uh, but this is online or is it in person in India? Do you teach? How does it work? It's seven weeks. It's seven weeks and it's online. We spend one week for each chakra. So we understand the root chakra in week one, the sacral chakra in, root two, in week two, etc. And they have... They have exercises that they do every day which are already in the format of in the format of pre-recorded videos from monday to friday on saturdays they have a two-hour zoom session with a guest teacher and then on sundays they have a two-hour zoom session with me so this is how the journey goes for seven weeks with the community and then individually i'm also guiding and healing and working and dealing with each person and everything that's surfacing for them in their journey Mm. That's very uh, interesting, very unusual, uh, you know, programs, which, I don't know, it, it always makes me so happy to see how the dance also evolves. Or maybe th- this kind of programs were always like somewhere in the world, but like now it's more and more awareness and opportunities for dancers to take different explorations because we all come to dance for different reasons and although visually it looks like we are going the same path like oh go to classes improve technique learn choreography go perform but we all have different real reasons inside us why we are doing it and this variety different variety of programs that now exist in the dance world or at least maybe it was like as i mentioned before like someone was doing like also different things but now like we have especially with technologies and online we have all these amazing opportunities to connect to explore and there are no excuses not to to make sure you move forward in whichever direction you want to move forward so thank you for putting it together and for organizing and giving dancers and people in general such a great opportunity for self-exploration it just sounds really amazing thank you. <laughs> Thank you for hearing me. That's, I mean, the fact that you're interested in these subjects is also a big deal because 
it, I know that you're also somebody who's always seeking. That's why you do these podcasts, because it's something that you're interested in knowing more, learning more, growing yourself. That's why you engage with people. And I think that, that we're all like, you're right. We all dance for different reasons. But even the additions that we make to the dance community are special to us, like this podcast. This podcast is designed for belly dancers, but I'm sure more people are actually benefiting from, everybody's benefiting from it, because you're, you're, you're never just speaking about dancing. You're speaking about so many subjects. And this is how we, I believe, change the world, progress the world, evolve the world, I think, you know. Yeah, but I also think it's the richness of the subject itself, because when we think like, oh, speaking about dance, but what, what is dance? It's so many things. It, it can be movement, it can be technique, but it also can be body, it can be emotions, it can be spirituality, it can be career, it can be a hobby. Like it, it also so many things is in this like subject itself that like if you start like, okay, talk about dance, like what history of dance, like it, it's still like all these little like nuances and things, but there are no one definition, like what is it, what it would be just to speak about only dance. So that's why, and we are all as human and are complex as dancers. We are all dancers, but we are also humans and our day-to-day -day life impacts our dance, just like dance impacts our day-to-day -day life. So it's all very, very connected. Yeah. And I'm very happy that we are bringing up all these different topics. And I'm also very happy and grateful for all our guests to taking me on different journeys because it's a free flow. Like we didn't discuss the questions or topics that we'll be talking about in this episode, just like any other episodes so i'm very happy also to be taken on the path of different directions sometimes caught by surprise like oh i didn't expect you're gonna talk about this <laughs> all that so thank you for Absolutely. that too i also want to yeah. uh, uh, continue but also like as we are slowly slowly still approaching like uh, to the sort of closing of our today's uh, topic conversation but there is one topic that i cannot avoid and it's very very connected to what we were talking about because you were talking a lot about experimental approach to your dance and to the meaning of dance and to teaching but i also feel that last few years gave a lot of experiments to your approach uh to your body and how you use your body in dance and not only from physical point of view of how you use it to move but also in uh that actually would be a question to to you uh, i would don't want to state of this or that way but you start really experimenting with how you um showcase your body and how you use your body and how you move your body or in performances or on stage or smaller like performances like theaters or whatever community small events performances uh, to the point that there was one work that really caught my attention and i would really appreciate if you can talk a little bit more about it but there was one performance that you literally shaved your head on stage and this is very let's say unusual it, it's it's a statement it's it's a i think it's also a challenge uh, not only for audience challenging their understanding of what is performance but also challenge for you kind of to go through it so can you tell please a little bit about that work because i believe it was within last uh, five years you were already on this path of what we were talking exploring spirituality dance and connection so how that was a part of this journey and what did that work uh, mean for you? 
I think I started getting suffocated with the way that I was being perceived. This perception of, oh, she's a belly dancer, she's easy, or she's a belly dancer, and that's what there is to her, you know? I think this whole perception was just for me like a cage. To be labeled as something and to be put into that box, it was just too much for me. And I also recognize that in a country like India, belly dance will not get the kind of respect that it deserves. It's a fact. You know, people will look at other dancing styles as more serious, but belly dance as more frivolous, unfortunately. When you come to really study the dance, it's very difficult, very challenging. And a lot of people that are experienced in many dancing styles are not able to execute it. So it is not an easy dancing style. Um, but at that point of time, I wanted to break out of the box. This was really what the vision was with this piece. It was a reflection of the body, mind, and the spirit. It starts with the mind, where the, the removal of the hair is really a, a decluttering of the mind. It's the process of how I have worked towards gaining things, studying tools, being a student of life. The second part of it was the body. So the mind moves to the body. The body was about mothering because that was what I was seeking in that journey at that point of time. And I knew that after my seeking of decluttering, the mind happens. As I start to more, become more present in my body, it is the experience, and I already had this awareness, that the experience of motherhood or when the body changes is when I will then step into the more wise, the more uh, intuitive version of myself. So the third part of the piece showcases the soul, where I'm dancing with this big galabia and I wear the galabia on stage. And that is about the soul and how I will move into this wise woman, aware, intuitive being. And so this is what the piece showcases. It showcases the journey of mind, body, and soul. A lot of people couldn't understand it. So if you actually look this video up on YouTube, you will have people saying all kinds of things. Like, she has cancer, she has depression, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing, she's lost the plot. So there will be a lot of, a lot of people who, because they had been labeling me, and they expected me to have long flowing hair, sparkly costumes, look a certain way, it was very difficult for people to digest. But for me, it was very easy to do. Because I was ready to break out of that label. I didn't want to. And you know something? I also realized at that point of time that breaking out of a label is not easy. Most people will find a comfort space in a certain thing and then feel, feel like it's too challenging to reinvent themselves. But me, for me, it was suffocating. It was suffocating to be in a space where, okay, everybody knew me for what I was doing, et cetera, et cetera. I was doing well for myself. But I wanted to change the dialogue. I wanted to ask these questions. So what if I don't have long hair? So what if I don't dress like that? So what if I don't want to express myself in this way? So what? So I think that that's where my journey, I think this was the point. It was actually, you're very right, and you really, you know, you landed the hammer on the on the nail by saying that this was that access or the reflection point for me where I started progressing and changing my, re-evaluating everything that I was doing as an artist. Wow, that's, uh, you know, listening to your story, uh, your work in general is very uh, fascinating and it's uh, such a different, I don't know, sort of like <laughs> dimension layer of what we typically uh, think about uh, when we talk about like belly dance, oriental dance uh, world. Um, 
And uh, your journey, like since last time we talked, it was so you brought so many interesting points, and it was already fascinating. But now also seen such a. I don't know how to even say, I don't want to put any like, you know, labels on it, but such a shift and deepening of, uh, of exploration of dance of yourself, it just uh, really, uh, really inspiring and really, uh, I keep repeating, like really, really fascinating to, to observe and I can only imagine where this path will take you and uh, wish you good luck, uh, all the best with it because it's a very hard work uh, not only to explore and share and help others, but first of all to explore within yourself all these things um, that uh, really, really is very inspiring to to, to observe and to to follow your your journey. <laughs> Thank you so much, and I think that. Uh, I do feel like I need all the luck and the love and the support to be do this to to be able to do this because I don't think we can do anything without community. If if that's the one thing that Buddhism teaches us is the idea of interdependence. Nothing that I do is of value if there is not a community to support this, love this, try to understand this because we all need each other at the end of the day. And I think that I'm really in gratitude of that. I am very, very grateful. I'm very hopeful. I have a lot of faith. Um, and I feel like I, I feel like my purpose in my life now, if I really sit down to reevaluate, my purpose is to serve beings. I even turned vegan because I didn't want to eat animals anymore. And I want to serve animals. I want to serve the planet. I want to serve people. So everything that I do now is with the perspective of service. And I think that that's the greatest shift that's happened in my life. Mm. And with all these shifts and all these explorations, uh, how do you see or feel now? And uh, uh, what do you seek for yourself like in the future? Or maybe uh, is there anything like, you know, what is the main struggle in personal spiritual, but also dance, let's say, um, perspective, like exploration uh, for you personally right now? Of course, if it's something that you're comfortable, you can know sharing, uh, sharing publicly. I'm, I'm more than happy to share this publicly. So one of the things I think that comes along with this really heart and mind for seeking is that a lot, you do lose a lot of things, Yana. Um, for example, now for I'm not in a marriage. I'm now in a co-parenting union with my, you know, ex-partner, um, because our life paths drastically changed. You know, I really wanted to search for something more meaningful, more spiritual. Whereas his journey was more material in his sense of making his work and getting, you know, re reaching more higher places in his craft and in his work. So I think that there has been a very big difference shift in my personal relationship. It's been difficult even for me to relate to a lot of friends. Because you can understand when your journey is always moving and when you find yourself in situations where people are stuck in the same problems, in the same issues now that they were stuck in some years back, um, 
you do tend to get a little bit disconnected. Because when you see the bigger picture, you recognize that everything is impermanent and everything is going to change. So in some sense, it has brought an effect on personal relationships, if I may be so honest. But I think that I also have the capacity to understand that that too is a change. And I also realize that even if you're not on this type of journey, personal relationships can still change. Everybody in the world has had one painful breakup. Everybody in the world has had, you know, some difficulty with friends or parents or whatever. So this is the nature of human life. And so I understand that my speaking sometimes is difficult for people close to me to understand. But that's all right. I think that's the price that I also pay for the kind of journey that I'm on. Mm. And it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you also lose connection with your older self, which will happen anyway as you get older. You will want different things. You, it's a different perspective that is going to fulfill you. So it's all right. You do lose some links with the past. You do lose some things in the process. But I feel like that's life anyhow. So I don't sit and feel upset about it. Instead, I feel, okay, there may be things I don't have things I lose in the process, but there are things I'm gaining and there are things that I'm working towards. And now I don't think I'm in this place where I want to answer this question of what do I see for myself in the future? Because the greatest thing I can do for myself is to learn to be in the moment joyously. And that's what I'm, that's, that's right now. This is my, this is where I am. Wow. Well, I'm really, happy to hear like very happy for you to hear that you found that uh, place of uh, uh, peace with yourself and with your journey and i do know for sure that taking and following your own path of uh, uh, personal growth in different senses of this term and this word it's a very challenging thing because it always brings changes and it's challenging for us to not to not be afraid of these changes in ourselves, but it also brings, of course, um, different emotions, different reactions from our surrounding, because then they observe change or potential of change. It is also a scary place uh, for them. And it also brings up a lot of like uh, challenges and sometimes struggles or issues in terms of uh, um finding this new place and new ways of communication and understanding of each other when one of us or both of the sides are on a changing path so uh really wishing you good luck with that and lots of strength and and uh, bravery and also clear mind for yourself to you know keep following what is best for you and understanding that um in many different senses also of what that can mean because it's also very individual for each person so i really wish you uh good luck and thank you for being so open and so honest and uh for having this conversation i really appreciate i'm absolutely sure everyone who is listening also uh shares my emotions and my gratitude to you uh because sometimes just hearing about things kind of um, help us to unlock something inside us. And uh, we talked about so many different things, but so many things that are very, very relatable for every person. So 
once more once again thank you so much for spending this time and uh, sharing your journey and be so open to talk about all these topics that we discussed today really really appreciate it thank you so much Jana. thank you it's always a pleasure to talk to you and i also wish for you all the joys wonderful dances travel love everything that your heart seeks and desires and i hope more than anything i hope that you always find yourself in a happy place thank you yeah that's very very important well before i ask you our final uh, podcast uh, question our traditional question i would like to ask also where can our listeners uh, follow your work uh, what is the best way to connect with you and if you have any uh, upcoming things events that you want to share i know that in april uh, you have i think in april you have first after a long long time in person uh, retreat that you're organizing i'm pretty sure you have many more other things so whatever you want to share like for april may summer so people can maybe keep an eye and put on their calendars and marks um, and also like where's the best place to 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 connect with you and to follow your work <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, I have a website, studiobanjara.com. And we also have, I mean, on my Instagram, which is Meher Banjaran, people can find the link tree where you can have access to whatever is happening, the courses, the, you know, the website, etc. And I also, like I said, I do the movement healing work, which is under the program called, on Instagram called Chakrak, C-H-A-K-R-A-Q-S. And people can get direct notifications from these pages, you know, on Instagram or on the website. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I do teach a lot of things online. So a lot of the healing movement courses are online. I also do belly dance in different levels and different styles and different kinds of techniques and movement-based work also online. Um, and, yeah, and then people have the chance to also – I'm also doing a, teach, a teacher training. I just finished one uh, belly dance teacher training, which also talks about a lot of things. So it's also how people can use belly dance in different ways. And so I do a teacher training in that also, which will reappear in probably April or May. But Instagram is the best way to stay notified because that's usually where I make all the announcements and uh, people can keep in touch with me directly there. Well, I also will make sure to include links to your social media and website in the show notes of this episode. So all our listeners, you know, you can easily uh, connect and find more information uh, directly there after you listen to this episode. And uh, before I let you go (laughs) and continue with your day, I would like to ask you one more question, which is our traditional question of the podcast. I ask every single guest, I believe I already was asking you it before, but I'm very curious to know now and probably your answer may shift or change or maybe it will have some similarities. But the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance, with oriental dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. Mm-hmm. I think it's because belly dance and now I'm sure the answer is different from what it was many years back. I think belly dance has become a mirror through which I can see my own self. And it has offered me the chance to reflect on myself as a woman. And then in respect to that, work on my weaknesses, strengthen my, you know, the, the stronger parts of me, 
So I think that belly dancing has really offered me a chance as a woman to reflect on who I am. So it has always been like a mirror. And um, even the simplest things, even things like aging or my body changing, I think belly dance has always made that safe space for me to be who I am. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.